Can the church say praise the Lord? Boy, this is a good crowd out here on a Wednesday night. We appreciate you. Amen. The Lord is so good to allow us to come and be back in his presence once again. We had a good uh, Christmas service and Christmas party and uh, family time and then we came back Sunday and didn't we have a good New Year's Eve celebration? That was just a great time with some great food. Amen. And so I tell you what, uh, I eat till I just about couldn't eat no more. I, I eat, uh, you know, those little meatballs and weenies and other weenies and uh, macaroni salad and cheese ball. And I'm still eating cheese ball. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I love these dinners. Amen. Love celebrating Jesus with God's people. Nothing like being in the house of the Lord in the middle of the week. I think we got some snow in the forecast coming up this weekend. And uh, I, it shouldn't interfere with Sunday, but you never know about what's going to happen here in East Kentucky in the wintertime. Also, Friday night, uh, the youth is going to be going to Louisa to a rally. And, of course, I, I think the snow is either going to hit Friday into Saturday or Thursday into Friday. It's, they're, they're kind of uh, kicking it around. Don't know where the snow and the rain's going to hit. But uh, they will be going north to Louisa. So I told uh, Brother Caleb to make sure that he's uh, watching weather and keeps in contact with the people so that he don't get on the road because it's, it's uh, uh, happened more than once. Uh, where everything's so far away from us, our kids are already on the road trying to get there when they call it off and say uh, they're not having it. So uh, we want to try to, uh, you know, if I was in charge, if I was king of the full rides, I would, um, I would look at weather reports and call stuff off. Uh, if it looked like it, but I'm not in charge. I, I'm, I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can, you know, save anybody. That's that's all I am. But uh, you know, uh, it is when you live the farthest away. It is hard uh, to keep up and make sure you're not on the road when you don't have to be. Amen. Well, with all that said and all that complaining and straining, we need to go to the Lord in prayer and we need to pray uh, for the service tonight. We do have some requests uh, that we want to make mention of. You should have received your emails uh, of all of the uh, last month's uh, prayer requests and we still have a few of those on there. And uh, so we want to uh, remember... Uh, I'm just going to mention because it's already filling back up again. And uh, that's a good thing that people have faith that we're going to pray about their situations. Uh, we want to remember Elsie uh, Coleman, Mickey Hatfield, Leslie. Let's remember Sister Anita. Uh, and also let's remember Logan Justice and Tiff Dotson. And uh, we want to uh, give a praise report. Uh, for Brother Jim's niece. If you remember uh, on New Year's Eve, we had prayer for her. And uh, they were uh, looking in a negative way. Everything was just set back, set back, set back. And after we had prayer, uh, they met with the doctors, talked about some things, and took her off the vent. And uh, so now she's doing a little better, resting easy. So... Uh, so it's always good to hear that the Lord came through. When there was no other way, the Lord comes through. 
I'm glad to see everybody back in the house that has been under the weather and sick. I'm glad to see you back in the house. And uh, we want to uh, go to the Lord in prayer. If you have a prayer request, just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here tonight to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way, that you would just touch each and every one who is sick, each and every one who is not feeling well. Brother Larry, who needs rest in his body and release from the pain, I pray, Lord, that you would bring healing unto the troubled and those, Lord, that are going through times of uncertainty in times that they feel like they're failures but Lord show them that you're going to do great things in their life. Lord I pray that you would bless the singers, musicians bless five minutes with Timothy bless everything we do here tonight Lord that you would get glory out of it as we give you the praise in Jesus mighty name Amen. Let's give the Lord and brother Caleb a great hand Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise if you've come tonight to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. It's good to be here tonight once again in the presence of the true King. Tonight I want to go directly into the word of the Lord. I think it's always the best way to start off, start off a service. It's by reading from the word. We find ourselves in Matthew 22. Starting at verse 37. It's good to be here tonight. Love all the smiling faces here tonight. And of course all the frowning faces too. Matthew 22 verse 37. And it says, Jesus said unto them, or unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Verse 38 says, this is the first and great commandment. Would you join me tonight as we go before the Lord and ask him to bless this service. Lord, we're here tonight asking for you to have your way in this place. God, begin to move so mightily that someone is impacted forever for the best. Oh, Lord, begin to change in our hearts and in our minds to make sure that you are at the center of it all. Oh, God, we want you to be at the center, in the forefront of our minds and our hearts and our spirits. Lead, God, and direct us tonight as we read and study your word in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You see, as I was reading this scripture, it tells me simply that God desires to be at the center of it all. He desires to be at the center of your heart. In fact, it is a commandment. It's the first commandment and a great commandment. So Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all of thy mind, with all of thy soul, with all that you are. It pretty much covers the essence of your being. Jesus wants you to love him with all that you are. So I want to talk to us just briefly on making God the center of it all. See, I watched a video not long ago of a minister that he claimed that he had died and he went before the Lord and the Lord chastised him and said, you, you say that you, you call me Lord and you say that you, you did all these works for me, but 
you did not make me Lord. You called me Lord, but you did not make me Lord. So what are you talking about? I did all this in your name. He said, you have served the Lord of self. The Lord of self. If we make God the center of it all, if we make God the center in the forefront of our minds and our hearts, it's no longer what does Caleb want to do today. It's no longer how does Caleb want to spend this day. It's no longer what is the sin that Caleb wants to partake in. It simply turns to I want to get into the presence of Jesus. It simply turns into I want to make sure that my Father is pleased in me. Whenever we change who is at the forefront of our minds and our hearts, the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we act, it all changes. I was, uh, I saw a story that I had heard a while back, but I saw it just recently. And it was a, a story of a young man. He went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I'm done. I'm not coming back to church anymore. And the pastor, being caring and compassionate that he was, he said, well, tell me why. He said, well, there's so many hypocrites in the church. I see the sister that sits there and talks and gossips about the other sister. I see the man that will sit there and live an ungodly life and then show up on a Sunday and act like he's all right. I see all the hypocrisy. I see all of it, and I'm tired of it. How am I supposed to come to the house of the Lord and be blessed with all this hypocrisy? He said, I'm leaving. I'm done. The pastor, he gave him a cup of water, full, full cup of water. He said, before you leave, he said, I want you to take this cup of water. He said, I want you to make a full lap around this church. So the young man obliged, and he said, okay. He took that water, and he walked around slowly, making sure not to drop any of it. He come all the way around, and he finally come back up to where the pastor was. The pastor said, okay. Did you notice the sister that was talking about the other sisters? Well, no, I didn't. Well, did you notice the brother that was living an ungodly life? Well, no, I didn't. He said, did you notice anything that was out of the order? Did you notice anything that was hypocrisy, any hypocrites, any people that was not yourself? He said, well, no, I didn't. He said, my point is, whenever you're focused on yourself, and making sure that you are right, and making sure that you're not making mistakes. Whenever you're focused on your walk with God, whenever you're focused on Jesus and He's the center of your attention, everybody else's things don't begin to matter to you, okay? I was, I was not a very quick and uh, smart kid growing up. I, I wasn't quick with my... My comebacks, and sometimes my comebacks would leave you scratching your head, like, what, what does he say? And someone would be picking at me, and I'd say, well, yeah, right. And, okay. But the thing is, I don't know where I was going now. I was going somewhere. Well, bless me, Lord. I had a point, and I lost it. It's dull now. The point that the Lord wants to make, he said, stop talking, Caleb. The point that the Lord wants to make is make him center of your life. Make him center of it all. Because it does not matter what's going on around you. There it is. 
does not matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter the mistakes that your brothers and sisters are making. You're not here to chastise them. You're here to pray for them. You're not here to tear them down. You're here to build them up. Amen. What I was getting at, and I'm coming to a close, preparing to, to step away. What I was getting at, uh, I was never very quick, but, but one little quip that I, I always held on to was, your, your nose looks good on your face, keep it there and out of my business. Church, we need to keep our noses on our face and in an altar instead of other people's business. Let's worship the Lord tonight as the praise team comes and moves into an atmosphere of praise and a worship. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, go walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, because there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, go off to the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your name 
when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give her ushers to come. We're going to take up tonight's offering. So give us the Lord blesses you. I know that uh, Christmas time you're trying to save money, pay off all the Christmas gifts you bought. But there's nothing like giving unto the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, Lord, to give in the offering. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided for us. And, Lord, we're going to give back to you. Bless the offering, Lord. Multiply it. Use it, Lord. Get glory out of it. And we're going to give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Jesus. We'll never stop. Our, uh, our banner this year is we want more in 24. More of Jesus. More blessings. More revival. I think we ought to give more praise. More worship. Amen. Realizing that uh, Lord has been so good to us over this past year and already this year has been good to us and uh, we want to give him all the honor. Amen. Every day I wake up I want to give him praise and uh, if you have your Bibles tonight I want you to turn with me. We're on lesson number 30 of our uh, revival starting points for revival and we are studying our way through that means if we're on lesson number 30, uh, we have 52 lessons, which means we would have studied for one year. And uh, revivals happened in a little ways, but I want to see it happen in big ways by the time we finish these studies. This is all information of how to have revival. Somebody said, well, you've got to be in a big church to have revival. Nope. Somebody said, well, you've got to have a lot of singers to have revival. Nope. You've got to have a lot of musicians. No. Revival can happen without any of that. And uh, I'm glad that revival can happen without that because us little churches, we would be left out in the cold. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16. And uh, we want to talk about a place of healing and refreshing. Uh, how many knows that, that we need a place of healing? We, we need a place of healing, and we need a place of... And uh, I would like to just say that, uh, you know, if we can grab on to that, uh, we're going to leave here tonight knowing that uh, we can be refreshed. Amen? We can be refreshed. So uh, I want us to study this intently uh, because I don't know anybody that doesn't need encouraged. I don't know anybody that doesn't need refreshed. And I don't know anybody that really uh, doesn't need healing of some sort because healing comes in different ways. It comes in physical. 
mental, spiritual, and there's a lot of ways to be healed. And so all of us can use a little healing. Look at somebody and say, I can use a little healing. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men. Notice what it says, before men. That's who you come in contact with. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Everybody say, my good works. My good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is lesson number 30 of our study for starting points for revival. And it's entitled, A Place of Healing and Refreshing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a place of healing. You've given us a place of refreshing. We can come not only to this building and gather together with your people and be refreshed and healed, but we can also be refreshed and healed in the, in the presence that only you can bring. And Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight that as we study this word that we will have revival and there will be healing and there will be refreshing and we will all know it's because of your presence in our midst. For it's all in the mighty name of Jesus we ask and pray. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Amen, and you may be seated. I think it's interesting that a place that we visited many, many years ago as a church, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, has a history to it that uh, some says, well, it could be folklore. Some says, no, it's actual history. But um, it is said that in Eureka Springs, of course, we went to see the Passion Play and uh, the Life of Christ, and it was just an amazing, amazing thing. And we saw a life-size replica of the tabernacle, and we just got through studying the tabernacle plan, so that was an amazing thing. So it was an amazing trip. And Eureka Springs, Arkansas was not known for the passion play or for the life-size replica of the tabernacle plan in the beginning. Perhaps it's only a legend, as we said. But the story is told of three men who were lost in the forest and they ran out of food. They ran out of provisions. And while trying to find their way, they they, scratch, they were scratched by a sharp broken limb and, and maybe some briars and they were just all cut up and they had running sores and they were, they were terribly, uh, you know, scratched up because when you're in the wilderness like that and in the darkness and in all of the things, you're, you're not on a clean path like a highway. And finally, they came upon a narrow stream of warm water which led them to a natural spring. Weary, they cast themselves into the spring, and as they bathed, they experienced a soothing and healing sensation. Now, this story goes all over the world because there are different places 
where there's hot springs like this that people go and sit in and say their arthritis is healed and their, their joints feel better and they're just soothed, they're mentally refreshed and all these things. So weary, they cast themselves into the spring and as they bathed, they experienced a soothing and healing sensation. They were so refreshed and inspired that when they found their way back to their homes, they told all who would listen about the healing qualities of the spring. They told that many who heard them wanted to personally experience this, uh, this spring. This called for many guided tours into the forest so that people with ailments could be healed and refreshed by the warm waters of the spring. Someone suggested that the path to the spring be improved, and later a lodge was built there to accommodate those who came. Then a trading post was installed and established where supplies could be purchased. Houses were then built because some people said, I want to live near those springs. And more merchants came with more things to sell. The path to the spring turned into a road and then a highway. Soon there was a community and then a town known as Eureka Springs, Arkansas. The fountain, of the fountain of that beginning was something that was um, interesting to know that Eureka Springs didn't start out with the tabernacle, didn't start out with the passion play, it started out with the healing. It started out with the healing. You see, a lot of churches, I, I, I was talking to Carol Magruder of the Magruders years and years ago, and uh, he came, him and his wife came here to sing. And uh, I was talking to him and he said, you know what is really going to bust this church loose? And I said, what? He said, when there is a bona fide, certified miracle or healing that takes place. That will change your church forever. And I took that to heart because I know that when big things happen, interest happens. You know, when we had a five-week revival, there was people come that had never come here because they wanted to see what was going on. You see, sometimes we need to understand that when things start happening in a big way, that's when people get interested in coming to church. But it all started with Eureka Springs, not with the tabernacle, not with, uh, you know, the passion play, but with a healing, soothing being uh, relieved of the pain and all of the things that they had been through while being lost in the woods and in the wilderness. And there was a man who said he was fascinated with this story, so he wanted to go and check it out. If this is really there, if that spring is really there, if this is history or just folklore. And so he went to Eureka Springs to see the fountain of the beginning of the town. When he said, when I saw the spring, it was unattended, unkept, and filled with trash. Graffiti defaced the stone wall behind it. I was saddened to see the fount that the fountain of Eureka Springs beginning had been neglected and that there was no longer the, it was no longer the main attraction of the city. 
He said, when I saw what was the beginning, all the vibrancy, all of the, all of the talk of the town, the talk of the area, he said it was run down. It was left unattended. It was trashed. It was graffiti everywhere. And what he came to a conclusion was that all of this that was so exciting and so good and so soothing and so healing was now not even important for the town anymore. It was all about tourism. It was all about the passion play. It was all about the life-size replica of the tabernacle. But I began to think about this of how important it is that we look at our beginning. There was a song back in the day, Andre Crouch, I believe, was the one that sung it. 1975, going back a few years. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first believed you. You see, sometimes we got to go back to where we first met our first love. We got to go back to where we first got filled with the Holy Ghost. We got to go back, and, and it's not necessarily a location, it's the presence of the Lord. We got to get back to that place where the soothing presence of the Lord starts to soothe our hurt and our pain and all that the world has scratched us up with and all of the wounds that we have experienced along life's way that if I can just get in the presence of the Lord, if I can get to the house of the Lord, it may be on a Wednesday night I can get into the soothing presence of the Lord. No wonder the Bible calls his spirit the comforter. Oh, how comforting it is to be in the presence of the Lord. Beginning to look at this, I begin to see that how sometimes we allow Pentecost to be nothing more than a trashed, graffitied, and unkept thing in our past. But yet, if we start really seeking for soothing, we will not find it in the city. We will not find it at work. We won't find it in wealth or riches. We won't find it in relationships. But what we will find it in is in the presence of the Lord. Take me back. Look at somebody and say, take me back. Take me back to where I first believed. It would be good to revisit this fountain of healing that we know as the presence of the Lord. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost, there was nothing better. There was nothing more exciting. There was nobody could convince me that night that I needed to walk away or do less or go to church less. In fact, I wanted them to strike out with revival and start having revival immediately. Most of you that got the Holy Ghost, that's the same way you felt. You were so refreshed 
flesh because sin had dumped its trash in your life. Sin had graffitied you until you were marked by ungodliness. But when you got into the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden being cleansed, hallelujah, there was something happened that all of a sudden you begin to feel the soothing presence of the Lord. I feel the soothing presence of the Lord right here, right now. I feel his presence mighty in this place because there's hurting people that are here. There's people that need soothed. There's people that need healed. There's people that need a refreshing. And because of that, we have gathered together not into a place of tourism, not just to come and see what was going to happen, not just come to see and talk to each other, but we have come to get into the pool, the spring of refreshing. No wonder the Bible says that what we have is like a well springing up, like a spring gushing out. No wonder the Bible tells us that we can help one another and refresh one another with what we have. No wonder the man sitting by the gate who was a beggar wanted just something to sustain him another day. But Peter and John said, no, I don't have any of that. But I'll tell you what I do have. I've been to a spring. I've been to a well. I've been to a refreshing. And if you want that, you can have it. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It'd be good for all of us to understand why we come to church. We don't come to church to see who's here, who's not here. We don't come to church to talk about other churches. We don't come to church to talk about how bad the devil's been on our back. But we come to church because we know that we've been wandering out in the wilderness. We've been sometimes without provision. Sometimes we didn't have everything we needed. We've been in a workplace that's heathen. We've been in a community that's drugged infested. We've been in a place where there's all sorts of ungodliness and we just got to somehow feel our way back to the house of God. And if we can get back to the house of God, all of a sudden we're going to step into the presence of the Lord and soothing, refreshing, healing takes place. I want to see that happen here tonight. If you've come tonight and you need soothing, you come to the right place. If you've come tonight and you need healing, you're in the right place. If you come tonight and you just want the Lord to bring you comfort in the midst of all you've been through, maybe you've been, had a hard day at work and maybe frustrating at work and things that happened and, and you just pushed your way through because you said, if I can just get through this work day and get to the house of God, I can be refreshed. That's what this place should be looked at. This is a place of refreshing. When people need a refreshing, they need to know that Cornerstone is not in competition with any other church. We're not trying to outdo, outsmart, or out to be anything. We're just trying to help people understand if you want to get in the presence of the Lord, you're in the right place.
There was a handful of people in Topeka, Kansas, more people in Los Angeles, California, that all of a sudden this spring began to spring up. And the next thing you know, it's grown into a great city. It's known around the world. It is known as the church. We find that there are times when this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached to the whole world, the Bible says, as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. How many believes we're approaching the end? I believe that there is more preaching today than there has ever been in time. I believe, there's, I believe there's more preaching that comes from this church than probably went through some states or even countries years ago. Where else can you get a message five days a week? During weekdays. Twice on Sunday. Actually, four times, five times on Sunday. Because here's what you got. You got... You got the 10 o'clock television broadcast. You got the 10 o'clock church service. You got the 10, 30, or 11 o'clock worship service. You've got a 2 o'clock at Pipeville. You got a 2 o'clock television broadcast. A 2.30 television broadcast. You've got a radio broadcast on Sunday morning. I probably already named off six or seven things right there just on the weekend. Why are we still suffering? Why are we still in the hurt and the pain if we have all of this available to us? We should none of us ever stay in the wilderness. We should come to the house of the Lord and say, I'm going to dip in the spring. I'm going to dip in the spring. I, I need soothe. I, I need comfort. I need the word. Something from the word that's going to touch my heart. Something from the word that's going to inspire me to keep on praying and keep on serving the Lord. We're living in a world that's losing its desire to live for the Lord, to go to church, to, to do anything right. And it just seems like the world is going farther and farther down into darkness. Darkness, but the church is not wrapped up in darkness. That's why when you come into the presence of the Lord and you get among believers where two or three are gathered in his name, he said he would be in the midst. I, I'm glad that the church is still vibrant and the church is still alive and the church is still like in Matthew where it says, let your light so shine before men. We sometimes think, i got to let my little light shine before Jesus. Well, that's true, but you got to let your little light shine before men. People need to see you got something. They'll never know you got something if you only live it right here while you're soothing and refreshing. And then when you go out in the world, you go right back to the same way you were. I don't want to go back to the way I was. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be since your presence came and saved me. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be before your spirit came and saved me. You see, there's something about that 
it lets me know this story we're reading, this lesson we're studying, we, we, we can't go back to the night when you're living in the light. There's no, there's no darkness that's going to engulf you as long as you're letting your light shine. There's, there's no evil going to overcome you as long as you are walking on the right path. Now, if you get on the wrong road, that's a different story. But the Bible says we got to get on the straight and narrow, which means that it may not be necessarily, uh, you know, something that is in a straight line, but it means it's narrow, and it means that it doesn't have any any of the exits or any of the detours or any anything showing that you can go some other way. You're following that road and there's going to be few that find that. But he said there's another road that everybody likes to travel because nobody really likes to travel the two lanes, just a few people. Everybody wants to be on the expressway and everybody wants to be on the Broadway. Everybody wants to be on that big wide area where you can lay the pedal to the metal and go on. But you see, that is the Broadway that the Bible talked about. And the Bible said that many are going to go in thereat. I don't want to find myself on the Broadway because the Broadway does not lead to the healing and the refreshing. But when I get on the straight and narrow, it keeps me where I need to be so that the healing can take place, the refreshing can take place. I wish I had a little belief a few believers in the house that says I believe that the Lord is giving me some healing I believe the Lord is bringing me some soothing right now because what you're going through what you've been through when you come out and came into this building you should have felt something you should have felt something I've had center people that I worked with and they would come down and watch us work on the church. And they would come in and they would they'd say, hey, preach. That's what they call me. Hey, preach, come back here. I'd go back there and they'd say, man, I feel something when I walk into this place. And I don't look and I say, well, it's just because it's a fine building. I don't look at them and say, because we're here. I say, it's because the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Amen. I'm... I'm believing that if we're going to have revival in 24, if we want more in 24, if we're going to accomplish anything in 24, it's going to be when we learn how to come to church and get soothed and refreshed. Because people need to see our light. People need to see we're real. We need to understand that all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among people and among you since the day that you heard it and gave your life to Jesus. Yet only a small portion of the world, even at all of that, is still people that have not heard. Isn't that amazing? That some people have never heard about Jesus. People have never heard how to be healed. People have never heard how to have soothing. They never heard that. They live in America, never heard it. They live in states that we could probably name off every state in the U.S. that have never heard it. They live in Kentucky, 
that have never heard it. What have we got to do? We got to show them what the presence of the Lord can do, what singing the songs of Zion will do, what coming together with God's people and studying the Word will do. It will bring a refreshing and a healing. We have to show them that. It would be sad to have people leave this world not knowing how to get healed or refreshed or soothed because we're too busy being the church. We're too busy being the church. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, if, if we're not careful, church becomes more about what we do. It becomes more about our programs. It becomes more about how much we're involved in something, how many trips we make to camps, how many things we do that's involved with the organization. But you know what? If we're going to be a soul winner, if we're really going to be what the Lord wants us to be, we're going to have to be a soul winner. Each one win one. That's a good saying, isn't it? Look at somebody and say, you can win somebody. You can win somebody. Shopping at Kmart has never been on a priority list of this guy that began to talk about this. He said, one Saturday, my wife insisted that I go with her. And though I put up a fight, she would not take no for an answer. So I reluctantly agreed. I, was I mean, this person was standing in the checkout line. Still pouting. When I looked at a lady behind the cash register and thought, if you were not here, then I would not have to be here. Suddenly, she sensed someone staring at her, and she caught my gaze and responded with a stare that told me that she thought I was just being fresh. Hmm. Have you ever talked in tongues, I asked? I don't think so, she replied. Would you like to, I asked. She answered in the affirmative, and my wife got her name. That Sunday, she came to church and received the Holy Ghost. Even if you're not feeling super spiritual, you can win somebody to Jesus. There are no excuses for not winning souls. We think the preacher's the only one that really is supposed to be doing that. But actually, it's every saint of God. Every one of you that's been called by his name, if you have the Holy Ghost, then you're supposed to be out trying to get other people interested in church because you've been soothed. You've been healed. You've been comforted. And the people out there in the world that's in misery and beat up and, and cut and bruised and battered need to know where to go to get that healing? Wouldn't it have been something if the people of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, had never, those men had never found that spring? And so they had never known what healing was or soothing was. Their wounds would have got infected, staph infection, bacterial infection, flesh-eating uh, you know, infection, and they would have probably all died. But they found that place where healing and soothing took place. 
We got to let the world know they're going to die and be lost without Jesus if they don't come to where they can be healed and soothed. We all have been in that place. There's no excuses for not winning souls. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Denver Stafford comments on the above scripture verse and he says this, I thought that meant that I was to find a sinner and let him know he had sinned. Sometimes that's our approach to sinners. We find a sinner and we say, you know you're dying and going to hell, don't you? Well, that's not witnessing, you know. So, so Denver Stanford said, uh, furthermore, he would burn in hell for sinning unless he came to my church to be saved. We can get so self-righteous that we turn people away. Hurting people. Wounded people. People that need Jesus. And we will turn them away. He said, I found that approach was slow, tedious, and frustrating above all else. It might be more productive to look for people in need and make them your friends. How many's ever heard me say that uh, you need to witness to hurting people? Funerals. Funerals are one of the ripest and richest harvest fields you've ever seen. I know people right now that are in church serving the Lord in other places because at a funeral somebody just simply put their arm around them. You see, when we look at this, we think that sometimes, well, I've just got to let sinners know they're sinful. Got to let them know they got to straighten up and live right, spit white and do right, all these things. But you know what? The greatest thing that Stanford said in pastoring, I soon learned that when we meet people in need, help them. By doing so, you'll make friends. Friends go to church with friends, right? Friends go to church with friends. The next thing we knew, they were in church living for the Lord. It became obvious that the more people to whom we extended love and friendship, the more people we won. Nobody wants to go to a self-centered church. Nobody wants to go to a church that don't have time to come shake your hand. How many's heard me say this over and over and over again? I even had a person tell me, Pastor, don't tell us to go back and shake the, the guest's hand because we want to go back and shake their hand, but we don't want them to know that you want us to. And I did one of them three stooges like, you what? Well, you know, they think we're just coming back because you told, you told us to. 
Amen. Because I've seen some people go straight out the door and never shake a guest's hand. I'm going to challenge us in 24 to shake more. I'm going to challenge us in 24 to when you see somebody that is a guest, that's somebody that's not a full-fledged member here and hasn't been coming, you know, maybe they come once back in 19, you know, 98, and they're back again. Well, they're, they're a guest at that point. I challenge every one of us to make sure you shake the guest's hand. Now, with that, here's, what, here's how, this is good pastoring right here. I, I'm, I'm pastoring right now in case you don't know. When you shake their hand, don't hog them so that nobody else can go by and shake their hand. I've actually had guests, and I've had to say it, and me the pastor. Y'all see me walking toward a guest. You ought to be respectful enough to step out of the way and say, go ahead, pastor. That's right. That's what you're supposed to do. It's pastoring right here. But don't hog the person. Don't smother the person. Shake their hand. Hug them if you want to. If they're a woman and you're a woman, hug them. If, you, if they're a woman and you're a man, shake their hand. And, and, and tell them you appreciate them being here and hope to see them come back. Because there was a person one time that come to this church and here's what they said when they left. Nobody come back and shook my hand. I don't even think they knew I was there. And you know who they was telling that to? Me. That's pretty sad, isn't it? That somebody that's searching for a place to find soothing, healing, comfort came to the right place only to be snubbed. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. Let's all make an effort this year, each service, to shake somebody's hand. You might say, I'm, I'm a little shy. Well, if you got the Holy Ghost, that shyness should have left a long time ago. Holy Ghost will jerk the shyness right out of you. <laughs> I've seen people that were shy roll in the floor. Holy Ghost will jerk the shyness right out of you. But I'd like to say this. If we can do that, I guarantee this church will double this time next year. Guaranteed. If we show love, you go to the store, you go to the restaurant. One guy said this, tip the waitress and waiters 15%. Whew. 15%. Have you ever noticed now when you go and, and you know those little things sitting on, the, on your, uh, on your yeah, table. <laughs> you know, that thing has legs, table. And, and, and you can put your credit card in it. And, and as soon as you bring it up, the tip is already at 15%. Right? And if you're like me, you start, <laughs> where's that five at? Where's that one at? But you know what? If, if we really want to make an impression on people, be good to them. I remember just the other day, 
and I, I'll mention as least details as I can because I don't want to embarrass anybody that may be watching. But I will say this. We went to the restaurant. It was, they was ready to close the restaurant. And they didn't really want to let us come in the restaurant. And so I walked in and, and you know, everybody's saying, oh, we can't get in, we can't get in. They said they're already going to close down and all that. I said, I'll go in. <laughs> I ain't nobody. But I learned what faith can do. Faith can open up doors and keep doors unlocked that was going to lock up on you. So I walked in and I said, uh, we got, we got uh, my preacher friend and, and probably about four or five more coming. And, and we really need to feed them before they get on the road and head out of here. And uh, they looked at me with disgust. And uh, I just came back with my love. And I said, surely you ain't going to make me feed this preacher baloney sandwiches. That's exact words I said. They said, I guess not. Come on in. Come on, we're going back here. We ain't, we ain't going to dirty up your dining room. We're going to sit in the booth. We sat in the booth. We eat. We took about 45 minutes, maybe a little longer. Waitress kept coming back. Need anything else? Need anything else? We're not trying to hurry up or anything. Need anything else? Yeah, I'll take another something else to drink. Yeah. Hey, you got any hot tea? <laughs> no, but I can make you some. I said, okay. I didn't say that. The guy said, okay. The preacher did. And I said, I'll have some too. I ain't never drunk hot tea. But I'll have me a cup of it. I'm telling you all this just for the long story to tell you something good. When we got ready to leave, um, I went up and I, I told them, I said, uh, put this on the church for the ministry. And uh, I pulled out a, my billfold and I handed her a 50. I handed her a 50. Why? Because somebody was giving up their time. They wanted to go home. They were wore out. They wanted to close... But they was nice to us. Let's be nice to them. So I gave her a 50. No, 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 Brother Richard. That's, they call me Brother Richard. My, my preacher friends get all uh, crazed about that. They call you Brother Richard. I said, yeah. They go to your church? No. They just call me Brother Richard. And, and no, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. And I said, yes, you're going to take that. And I put it back in their hand. And I said, you take that. You stayed open for us. I appreciate it. You know what? There's never a time in, that I go in now. They're not shutting down. They're not ready to close up. Oh, okay, yeah, come on. Yeah, well, the ice cream machine shut down, but we got this going on. You see, if we're, if we're smart... We can win people just by being nice to them. Many times you will eat at restaurants, and uh, I know, uh, especially if you've got a big crowd, you know, if we travel like as a church group or something, I never leave just a five for the waiter. 
I pay them well. You know why? They work hard. They make a lot of trips to keep my Diet Coke filled up. There's no excuses for not winning souls. We need to be good to people. Love will win people. In fact, the Bible says love will cover a multitude of sin. Right? Love will cover a multitude of sin. So this guy begins to talk and he begins to say, um, you know, if we really want to win people to Jesus, become their friend. Be nice to them. Listen to them. Take time. I remember there's this little old woman, and uh, she, uh, she had Parkinson's or something that makes you shake. Your grandma, Brother Jimmy Duff. Your grandma. Every time I walk in to church, I would sit down and talk to that little woman. You know what her testimony was to your mom and different ones? Every time he comes in here, he's so kind. He sits down and talks to me. He makes me feel loved. He makes me feel welcomed. And I would do that every time. And I would talk to her and talk to her, ask her how her day was and how's it going and all that. And boy, we're going to have some good church tonight. And, and she was a praiser. She is a worshiper. Amen. Being friends, sometimes just sitting down with somebody and talk to them. Never get so busy that we walk in and, and trust me, I'm the president of that club. I walk in, I got things I got to turn on, I got things I got to start, I got things I got to make sure it's got batteries in it, I got to have my uh, base in tune. There's all sorts of stuff I got to do. So when, when you see me at church, I'm usually, I'm not sitting up here, is it time to start yet? <laughs> I'm usually doing something. Um, so I don't really have the time, but one day I'm going to get the time. And uh, somebody else is going to be doing all the turning on and all the setting up and all the stuff. And I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to sit down and talk to little old ladies. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to make a friend. Somebody that's a visitor, a guest, may come in and sit down. And if you was just sit down with them and say, do you mind if I sit with you through service? I don't think they're going to say, no, I'd rather you wouldn't. I think they would say, well, sure. So we can be friendly. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. I'm getting ready to close with this, but I want to I wanna swiftly go through a few things. Don't make excuses of why we can't win the loss because the Bible says, do not say there's yet four months and then harvest. He said, open your eyes. The fields are white. Ready to harvest, right? So we can't walk around and say, I don't have nothing to do in the church. I'm disconnected from the church. I've heard people say that. I'm disconnected. I ain't got no connection. Well, what's the problem? Did everybody in the church snub you? <laughs> if they did, then we're going to have to have a church meeting. 
But you've got to learn how to be friendly yourself. Right? Jimmy Duff, turn around there and look at Josh and say, glad you're here. See, didn't that make you feel good, bro, Josh? Lord, yeah. <laughs> Pay them if you have to. Don't make excuses, though. We can all be friendly. We can all show love and compassion. We can all help people feel welcome. Why? Because some people come through those doors... And, and they see us on TV, they see us on the internet, they see us all sorts of other places, and they say, I'm going to go check that church out. I may start going there. And we've actually had people start coming here, and then people say, you're going up there? Well, you don't need to go up there. Come go with us. <laughs> and you know what? Because they befriended them, they went. That's why we got to learn to be friendly, Right? Be friendly. Because sometimes just simply sitting with someone, talking to someone will mean more to them than you just, uh, you know, walking by them and nodding at them, looking at them. How you doing? We need to grow more in 24. It could be that if we're not growing, maybe we're condemning the sinner instead of making the sinner feel welcome. I know people right now that think sinners ought to be told they're sinners and you don't need to look at them and try to be friends with them. God will deal with them. <laughs> I know people like that. Shame. It's a shame. They're, they're hard-nosed, uh, unlearned people. But you know what? People that know what the Word says, we don't condemn the sinner. We want to try to win them. We listen to what Jesus said. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him, believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. Isn't that why we're here? I'm not here to look at somebody sitting here and say, well, praise God. You're a drunkard and a dope addict and you're, you're a wife beater and, and a, a child molester and you're this, that, and the other. Praise God, I hope lightning comes down from heaven and takes you out. No. We look at somebody like that and we say, Jesus still loves you. Jesus died for them just like he died for all of us. Right? Amen. I want soothing. I want healing. I want comfort. I want this to be a place. I want this to be an atmosphere where we don't condemn, but we look and say, if you need healing, you've come to the right place. If you need your wounds Remember when, when the man was left for dead? And, and I mean, he was left for dead. He was beaten. He was robbed. He, was, he had wounds. And he was left for dead. And everybody kept walking by. Because I don't want to get dirty. 
I don't want to get messed up. I'm on my way to church. I can't mess with this. I, I got things I got to do, so I can't get involved. Good Samaritan comes along. He pours in oil and wine. He bandages up the gashes. He's bringing comfort. If you don't know, that's representing the Holy Ghost poured into our broken life, our bruised and battered life. And now we're starting to feel the soothing of the Holy Ghost. And he put him on his beast and he rode him into town. And he looked at the keeper of the inn and he said, you take him in, here's money. If I owe you any more, I'll pay you when I come back through. You see, that's a story of compassion. A spirit-filled person is supposed to have a river flowing out of their life at all times. What does a river do? It refreshes. I know that we go to the faucet and turn on the faucet, right? But back in the day, they didn't have faucets. They had rivers. And the Lord began to tell us in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39... Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. Oh, why, why should something living flow from me? Because I'm going to meet some dead people. They came out with a movie many, many years ago. I think it's called The Sixth Sense. and said, I see dead people. We see dead people every day. Dead in sin, trespasses, hurting, bruised, battered, left for dead. Nobody cares. Nobody seems to understand. And church folk just keep walking right on by. But oh, if we can just say, I see dead people. And I want to help them come to life. So I'm going to let the river of living waters, you know, Back uh, a few years back, we used to sing with the young people. I got the river. Living water. We got to let that living water flow, right? That means you don't tell people off. You don't put people down. You don't criticize. You don't do anything. You just let that living water flow. Because what you were sued with can soothe them. That's why Peter and John could help the lame man. That's why the guy went by and helped, the good Samaritan went and helped the man left for dead. We find when the river flows, people are drawn, not drowned, drawn to God. We let the river flow by allowing our light to shine. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then they answered and said, Lord, when did we see you that way? You know what he said? He said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. How many people have we treated like we just said, we saw them hungry, thirsty. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I know we're living in a different day. I know we're living in a day you have to be careful. You have to be careful who you open yourself up to. Used to, you could stop and pick up anybody, 
beside the road, take them to the store, whatever they need to do, and it was safe. It's not safe today. And I'm not expecting you to put your family in jeopardy. But I will say this, when the hungry come through the doors, when you meet somebody at work that you know is not going to rob you blind, but they're just hurting and they're wounded and they need some comfort, you're the person that can do that. You're the person that can do that. Note that sometimes we just need to be friends. Sometimes we just need to show ourselves friendly and the church can double in size. Love thy neighbor as thyself. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come. You want to be a soul winner? Pray for opportunities like we have just discussed. Show me how to be good to the waitress or the waiter. Show me how to be good to my coworker. If I see somebody crying because maybe they got hurt by something or something was said to them, let me be the one to go to them and talk to them. That should be our cry, our plea, our desire. I'm convinced that opportunities like this are all around us every day. Make someone your friend. Love the sinner. You don't have to love the sin to love the sinner. We must move witnessing from our minds to our hearts. There is a spring like no other spring. Eureka Springs, Arkansas had a place where wounded men found comfort and soothing, healing qualities in that spring. There's something to get excited about. What dwells in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody needs you to let that living water flow. Let's stand. I want to win souls. That's what revival's all about. Revival's not just about the church having church. It's not just about the church getting excited. It's about the church learning how to double, triple, quadruple the size by winning people to Jesus. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. He's the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. And he is the sinner's friend. I know why. Because he's my friend. So if you're here tonight.